I think most of us would agree it is more challenging than ever to speak and live our faith in the public arena. A few recent illustrations might uh, help. A few weeks ago, Major General Craig Olson, a senior officer right here at Hanscom Air Force Base, was invited to speak at a gathering of the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Uh, General Olson actually attends church in the area and worships with us here at Grace on occasion. Uh, the gathering was sponsored by a Christian group, and he was invited to share his faith story, which he did. Spoke very personally about how his faith in Christ shapes his life and work and enables him to serve his country well. Well, immediately afterward, there was an outcry from a military civil liberties group calling for a court-martial demanding that General Olson be, quote, aggressively and visibly brought to justice for his unforgivable crimes and transgressions. Now, for an anxious couple of days, it was uncertain exactly how it was all going to turn out. In the end, the Air Force determined that uh, General Olson was speaking on his own behalf at a private gathering and that he had not violated any code of conduct or government regulations. Now, even though it was resolved favorably, the incident sent a chill through the Christian community as Christians found themselves suddenly wondering what might happen to them if they were to speak about their faith in a public or professional setting. Some months ago, back in the fall, a high school senior in Everett, Washington, was suspended for school for a couple of days for talking about his faith in the hallways and handing out Christian literature. Now, in the end, a federal judge overruled the school district and the suspension was lifted. But it was one more reminder and one more caution for students across the country to have to wonder what they're allowed to say and do in terms of their faith in the public school setting. And then just a week or so ago, we were introduced to Caitlyn Jenner on the cover of Vanity Fair magazine. And that transgender reveal was met with celebration and affirmation, not just in the media, but around water coolers and on soccer sidelines all over the country. Now, how do we respond? And on the one hand, we want to express genuine compassion for anyone who's dealing with, with, with issues of gender dysphoria. And we certainly affirm the dignity and worth of every human being. At the same time, we have a genuine concern for such invasive procedures, and a concern for the impact psychologically, relationally, on the people involved and on society at large. So how do we express both compassion and concern? How do we get through these kinds of conversations about such complex issues with people whose perspectives may be very different from our own? Now, my point this morning is not to go on a rant about religious freedom or to try to resolve the question of transgenderism. I'm simply trying to illustrate how very challenging it is these days to navigate the issues and the questions and to articulate our faith in public settings. I mean, making our way through everyday conversation and encounters sometimes feels like making our way across a minefield in which every night new landmines are placed. And the ones we thought we had figured out get moved around overnight. We're not sure what to say, when, how, to who, and what the implications might be. 
I chose my words very carefully as I prepared this introduction, but chances are I've already made some people upset and we're not even five minutes into the message. <laughs> when you factor in the general perception these days that Christian people are harsh and judgmental and narrow-minded and mean-spirited, it leaves us afraid to say or do anything, not just for fear of being misunderstood or fired, but for fear of turning people away from what we believe may be the very best news they've ever heard. More than ever, we need wisdom and courage and grace to speak and live our faith in a changing cultural landscape. More than ever, we need the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been having a great time this spring as we have been exploring and experiencing the work of the Spirit in our lives and our church. I think we all would say it's, it's, it's brought refreshment to our souls and to our life together, and that's wonderful. But this morning, we want to remind ourselves that the Spirit was not given for simply for our enrichment as believers, but for our empowerment as witnesses. Okay, not just for our enrichment, but for our empowerment. Listen again to one of the first verses we read when we began this series, Acts chapter 1. Jesus' final words to his followers and to us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is a missional spirit. The Spirit was given so that we, his, Jesus' followers, might carry out his work in this world, the work of saving and transforming fallen people and a floundering society. If ever we need help in carrying out that mission, it's now. And that's the work of the Spirit. So let's go back to this book of Acts where we began our series, and let's learn how the Holy Spirit can help us live on mission in this changing, challenging culture in which we live. So we're going to pick up the story of the early church just a few days after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. A few days later, Peter and John are on their way to the temple and they stop and perform an amazing miracle. They, they, they heal a crippled beggar outside the gate of the temple. A crowd quickly gathers to see for themselves what's happening and Peter seizes the moment and begins to speak about Jesus, the risen Messiah through, whose, through whom they performed this great miracle. Now, the whole thing causes such a ruckus that the religious authorities come out in full force. They arrest Peter and John and throw them in jail overnight. The next morning, Peter and John are hauled before the elders, the teachers of the law, the scribes. Uh, we're told Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, the former high priest. I mean, these are some of the most powerful people in the city. Think uh, Governor Marty Walsh, Police Commissioner William Evans, Patriots owner Robert Kraft. I mean, really powerful people. That's what's going on here. This is no trifling matter. And they ask, by what power or name did you do this? Now keep in mind, Peter and John had done a good thing. This, this man had been disabled from birth. Chances are he'd been living in the streets, begging to simply survive. Now suddenly he's standing, he's walking, he's jumping, and he's joining the community at worship for the first time in his life. 
And the authorities don't dispute that this thing has happened. What they want to know is how and who. Listen to how Peter responds. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and everyone else in Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you completely healed. Remember now, these are the same authorities who just two months ago sent Jesus to a gruesome death. And yet Peter shows no fear and no hesitation to speak of Jesus. In fact, he goes on to say, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is the same Peter who cowered in fear just six or seven weeks ago in front of a servant girl. He was so intimidated, he didn't even have the courage to say Jesus' name out loud. I don't even know the man, he said. So where does Peter, how does Peter suddenly know just what to say? And to say it with such clarity and confidence in the face of such an intimidating threat. Where does he find that kind of wisdom and courage? I mean, how many times have you and I found ourselves tongue-tied in a public, awkward moment, we have a chance to speak about our faith. I can be very eloquent in front of a crowd like this. Put me in a barber chair or the cocktail party and ask me to talk about Jesus. It just, the words don't come out as easily. Where do we find this kind of wisdom and courage? Well, the answer is tucked away in a little phrase in verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit at work within Peter that enabled him to know not just what to say, but how to say it. But notice, it wasn't just wisdom and courage the Spirit gave to Peter. It was something else, too. Look at the next couple verses. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, there was something about these men, something intriguing, something compelling, something. These guys looked and sounded a lot like Jesus. Really? Peter? Peter the rash one? Peter the unpredictable one? Peter who sliced the ear off of a servant in the Garden of Gethsemane? That Peter? John? who jockeyed for position around the table with Jesus? John, who wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy their critics? Since when did Peter and John start looking and sounding like Jesus? Since the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's when it began. And it wasn't just wisdom and courage the Spirit gave them. It was grace. Something undeniably good had happened that day. Look at the next verse, 14. But since they, that's the authorities, could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. The authorities are scratching their head over this one. They don't know what to do. I mean, on the one hand, they don't like the message Peter and John are proclaiming. 
At the same time, they can't deny the power and goodness of what they've just seen happen. Well, the whole city's seen it. In fact, don't miss where this little incident takes place because in the providence of God, it was no accident. Verse 9, when all the people saw the man walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Twice in this story, Luke tells us the name of the temple gate because he doesn't want us to miss it. This was not only a powerful thing that was done, it was a beautiful thing that was done that day. And so as angry as the authorities are about the message Peter and John are proclaiming, they can't deny the goodness of it. And all of it, the wisdom, the courage, the beauty, and the goodness, all of it is a work of the Holy Spirit. And as it turns out, that's exactly what Jesus promised the Holy Spirit was going to do. Let me take you back to some words that Jesus spoke recorded in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Remember, Luke wrote both these books. Luke wrote the gospel containing these words of Jesus, and Luke writes the story of Peter and John before the scribes and the, and the leaders. Luke wants us to know what Jesus was talking about is what's happening right here. The Holy Spirit empowering them for witness. Friends, if you and I are going to find the wisdom and the courage and the grace to speak and live our faith in these challenging days, we need more of the Spirit. We need this kind of spirit. Now, keep in mind, we're not facing the kind of persecution these guys were facing. We're not facing the kind of persecution that many Christians in the world face, far more intimidating than anything we might find. And yet still, every day we find ourselves in awkward, uncomfortable, confusing, perhaps intimidating circumstances. Only the Spirit can help us to represent Christ and His gospel well. Just this past week, Pastor Jeanette shared a story with us um, about a Grace Chapel woman that I'll call Sharon. Sharon was driving down a busy Route 9 uh, one day this week when she noticed an, an, an elderly woman looking kind of lost and, and walking dangerously close to oncoming traffic on that busy road. Sharon sensed the Spirit prompting her to stop and help that woman. So she pulled over, went and, and got the woman from the side of the road and helped her into a nearby library. Now it turned out the woman was clearly disoriented, but she only spoke Chinese. Well, now Sharon doesn't know what to do. She's certainly out of her depth. She's feeling kind of awkward about the whole thing. How did she get into this? And so she calls Pastor Jeanette for help. <laughs> but it turns out the elderly woman speaks an unusual dialect of Chinese from a very particular region of China, so Pastor Jeanette can't understand her either. So now Pastor Jeanette doesn't know what to do. And she's in charge of the whole world, and she doesn't know what to do. <laughs> so Jeanette gets on the phone and calls another Grace Chapel fr Chinese friend and puts her on the phone. And, see, and it turns out that the elderly woman 
comes from the very same prophets that this friend's husband comes from, and so they're able to understand each other quite well. And after a quick conversation, the woman learns that, that this elderly woman had only been in the country a couple of days. She had gone for a walk, gotten lost, and was trying to find her way back to her son and daughter-in-law's house. As it turns out, the daughter-in-law, after they talk a little while, the daughter-in-law is Jeanette's friend's orthodontist. <laughs> so she's got her on speed dial, probably, calls them up, makes the connection, the family comes, gets their mother, grandmother, everybody's grateful. And Sharon is able to say that it was followers of Jesus and members of a church who helped bring them back together that day. Now, when I tell that story, the words that come to my mind are amazing and beautiful and Christ-like. It sounds like something Jesus would do. To recognize a person in distress and reach out with wisdom and grace to set it right. And those are the kinds of things that can happen when we allow God's Spirit to prompt us and empower us to step into awkward, uncomfortable, and maybe even intimidating circumstances. This is why the Spirit was given, not just for our enrichment as believers, but for our empowerment as witnesses that we would know how to speak and act in Jesus' name. In fact, listen again to some of the words Jesus spoke to his disciples and to us on his final night before going to the cross. We looked at these words during our At the Table series. Jesus says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me because it is from me he will receive what he will make known to you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit is given so that Jesus can continue to be present and active in the world even after Jesus has returned to heaven. So the Spirit makes Christ great in us and through us so that other people can see Jesus at work in the world and be drawn to him and believe in him. That's the work of the Spirit. And so the more we are filled with the Spirit, the more we begin to look and sound like Jesus. And you know what? That's exactly what the world needs right now. Because Jesus would know exactly what to say at a National Day of Prayer Task Force breakfast. And when he was done, I'm sure some people would be upset, but I'm also sure they would be intrigued. And Jesus would know exactly how to walk the halls of the local high school. He would know when to speak and when to be quiet. He would know when to hand out literature, and he'd know when to let his life and love do the talking. And Jesus would know exactly what to say to Caitlyn Jenner. And when he was done, Caitlyn would know that she was loved and that Jesus could lead her to a better life and identity than anything she ever imagined. What the world needs today, who the world needs today is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit enables Jesus to live his life through us so that others might see him and be drawn to him. And that's why we need more of the Spirit than ever before because we need wisdom and courage and grace and beauty as we navigate this challenging cultural landscape. In fact, it turns out even Peter and John knew they needed even more of the Holy Spirit. 
as well as they handled this moment, they knew they needed more. It turns out the authorities decide they don't have enough of a case to keep them locked up, so they release them the next day. But they send them off with a warning to never again speak in the name of Jesus. Look at how Peter and John respond, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then they go on and they praise God for his power and authority and for accomplishing his work in the world. Now, just a sidelight here. Friends, wouldn't it be great if church was like this every week? If every Sunday we all came rushing into these rooms with our stories of the week, ways that God has been at work in and around us, and those stories filled us, us with such joy and gratitude and wonder that we couldn't wait to worship. Imagine what our singing and our praying would be like. I might never even get the chance to preach. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> what I really love about this passage is the way they prayed. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Remember now, they've just gotten out of jail. And the same people who killed Jesus have warned them never again to mention his name or else. And look what they pray for. First of all, look what they don't pray for. They don't pray for safety. Lord, don't ever let us get thrown in jail again. And they don't pray for judgment. Lord, remove those bad people from office. There's nothing wrong with safety. And there's nothing wrong with judgment and justice. But they don't pray for those things. What do they pray for? Boldness. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. More courage. That word boldness or courage, it's used 12 times in the book of Acts, and it describes a fearless confidence. And isn't that what we need as we head out into the neighborhood and the school and the workplace and the marketplace every day? Fearless confidence. But notice that it's courage to speak and act. It's word and deed. It's proclamation and demonstration. There are times we need to speak our faith, and there are times we need to live our faith. And we need the wisdom to know the difference. Notice that in this story, the disciples acted first. It wasn't until they had demonstrated the grace and beauty of Christ that they then began to proclaim the name and work of Christ. It wasn't until they'd earned the right to be heard that they opened their mouths to speak. And I think that's a good strategy for us as we make our way through a, an increasingly secular and suspicious world. Let's lead with love and then speak when hearts are ready. 
I like the way Pastor Gordon Hugenberger puts it, senior pastor at Park Street Church. He likes to say, confuse them with love. <laughs> confuse them with love. Let's be so surprisingly gracious, kind, welcoming, and helpful that we shatter all those stereotypes, that we bring down all those defenses so that when people begin scratching their heads saying, what makes these people love so well? We tell them it has something to do with Jesus. That's, that's how the disciples did it. They prayed for courage to speak and act through the name of your holy servant Jesus because they know that in the end, it's, it's the only name, it's the only power that can truly save and heal and transform and make new. And having prayed that prayer for courage to speak and act in the name of Jesus, look at what happens next. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The place was shaken. Now, was it an earthquake? Was it, was it a, a rushing wind that rattled the room? Was the praying and the singing so intense that the floor began to vibrate? We don't know exactly. But the Spirit moved so powerfully in that room that in spite of everything that had happened the day before, their faith was unshaken. The room was shaken. Their faith was unshaken. They were empowered to speak and live the Word even more boldly than they'd done it the day before. You know, as I was reading the description of what happened in the room that day, I couldn't help but be thinking once again about our One Church Service Sunday a few weeks ago. I know we've talked about it a few times, but I think it was a pivotal moment for us. If you remember, we spoke that day about having an unashamed commitment to Christ. We renewed our resolve to speak and live without apology and without embarrassment the good news of Jesus. And something happened in that room that day. Now, the floor didn't begin to vibrate, but a hundred some people were shaken out of their seats and came forward to be baptized and publicly declare their faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I left that room different than I had walked in. I left with a renewed confidence in the power of Jesus' name and gospel, and I left with a renewed commitment to minister that name and gospel more freely. As, as you know, this, this more series is not something we had planned for this year. It feels like the Lord has led us into this season to be thinking about the Holy Spirit, and, and I believe it's for a very important reason. I believe the Lord is, in fact, preparing us for some remarkable things in days to come. I believe he wants to make Christ greater in our hearts, in our homes, in our church, in our city, and our world. And making Christ great is the work of the Spirit. And so we've been leaning into the Spirit and welcoming the Spirit. Just this past week, our ministry staff got together for a day. We did some reflections on this past year and where we are as a congregation, and we began thinking together about where the Lord might be taking us next year. 
And, and we haven't nailed it all down yet, haven't figured it all out, but the basic idea is next year, it's going to be all about Jesus. <laughs> this is going to be all about Jesus next year and our worship and our teaching. Our message, it's just, it's all about Jesus. So that, not just so that we can become more like him, but so that others might be drawn to him. To make Christ great in our imaginations. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think it's going to be a powerful year. But it can't happen without the work of the Spirit. And so we've been welcoming the Spirit into our midst this year, I believe, in preparation for remarkable things to come. Well, in just a few weeks, we're going to be sending off about 100 or so students and young adults to short-term mission trips all around the country. Now, most of them are going to be out of their comfort zone in unfamiliar places. And I can, we can be sure they're going to find themselves in situations where they don't know what to say or what to do next. But what we're learning this morning is that they can count on the Holy Spirit to show them what to say and what to do and how to do it in those very moments. In fact, I'm going to ask a student from one of last year's trip to come and share a story of an experience he had like that on a trip to Guatemala last year. So would you welcome Sam Ho as he comes on up? I wasn't feeling that kind of love when I stepped up here. I don't, I don't know. Go ahead, Sam. Thank you. Um, Last August, uh, I traveled alongside a great group of individuals um, to Guatemala for a week-long mission. Um, being my first mission experience, I was experienced a bunch of, bunch of different emotions. Um, I felt excited, and as a 17-year-old um, high school student, I was feeling pretty angsty. Um, I wasn't really sure what my role for the week would be, but I did know that God would um, work through us, and he did not disappoint us. On Wednesday, uh, we were given the opportunity to interact with members of the community through prayer walks. Um, carrying gifts in my arms, I walked alongside two fellow members of my Guatemala 2 team, and we stopped by a handful of homes, introduced ourselves to the people living there, and uh, gave them an opportunity to share their lives with us. <clears throat> I remember one stop in particular. Uh, we, stepped, we entered into this cramped little space encapsulated by sheets of metal, an elderly woman and her grandson called it home. She brought us into a little room and introduced us to her grandson. He had some special needs, so um, he wasn't able to interact with us or speak to us. And he was deprived of the necessary treatment that he needed because it was unaffordable. Uh, he would spend his days and nights lying in a small bed in a small room with a small family of two. Uh, without a mother to care for him, the responsibility was left to his grandmother, who left quite an impression on me. Uh, she opened up to us um, with tears running down her cheeks. Uh, she was telling us stories that were clearly not often told, and her willingness to share such personal um, adversity with strangers such as us was uh, just extraordinary. Um, though I didn't know how exactly to respond or what to say, I knew what I needed to do most was listen. Um, then I turned to my, uh, the, his, the grandson. Uh, he laid in his room, almost motionless, not speaking or making eye contact. I felt that he and, as well as his grandmother, needed to be shown love. I wasn't sure how exactly, but I just need, knew I needed to say something. 
So we prayed for them, um, hoping God would give the elderly woman the physical and um, financial uh, means to take care of her grandson. As we concluded our visit, um, we embraced the loving woman and began to head out. But before I left, I felt what I think was God's spirit giving me a little nudge and showing me how. I approached the grandson, looked him in the eyes, and said, Jesus te ama, or Jesus loves you in, in Spanish, in English. I, <laughs> whoops. I, I've endlessly heard these three fundamental words, uh, but I sense that in this family of two, these were words not often said or heard. Um, I, I felt that they needed to hear these words, that they deserved to hear these words. Uh, while there's little I could do to change their circumstances, and their adversity, I discovered that what I could offer them was what lay beneath the surface of those three simple words, the warm, unfathomable love of Jesus. Now, in just a moment, we're going to pray for this uh, remarkable group of students as they head off on their trip this summer and let them know that they go with our support and prayer and blessing. But before we do that, I want to remind us that the truth is we are all on mission this summer. Every day, everywhere, with everyone, we are representing Christ, the love and beauty and grace and truth of Christ. And I think we would all agree it is more challenging than ever to know how to do that with wisdom and courage and grace. And that's true whether you are walking the halls of a high school or driving down a busy Route 9 or talking over the water cooler at work or stepping into a metal shack in Guatemala City. But the Spirit can and will be present in all those places, giving us wisdom, courage, grace, and beauty to look and sound a lot like Jesus. May it be so, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, may your beauty rest upon us as we seek the lost to win. And may they forget the channels, seeing only him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.